All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Yes, we are applying computational logic to our hunger pangs. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Manoush Samarodi. This week, more algorithms to live by. The computer science of human decisions. It's not just a concept, it's a book. Written by cognitive scientist Professor Tom Griffiths and writer-thinker-mathman Brian Christian. Computer science offers a way to most effectively achieve your goals. Last week, Brian explained how algorithms can help us organize our desk, our email, our calendars, and our brains. The principle in computer science is called temporal locality. So literally, if you've got 100 pieces of paper on your desk, the paper that you're most likely to touch next is the last one you touched. The, the <laughs> so paper, there's no point in, like, putting them into nice stacks or filing them. That feels good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we're going to raise the stakes and put a couple of these algorithms to the test in real life with real people and some real basic human needs. Can algorithms actually help us eat and love better? <laughs> Who are you? You met someone very special to me at the beginning of the show. I'm your sister. What's your name? Gita Zamarodi. Hi. Hi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, it's my sister. Does she sound like me? Is this going to get confusing? Anyway, whenever the two of us get together to go out to eat, we run into the most ridiculous problem. We have high standards. Yeah. And we're indecisive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, you don't get out a lot, so going out to eat's an occasion. And it's got to be good. It's got to be good. There's no excuse for having an okay meal in this city. I will not settle. <laughs> but what ends up happening, go ahead, is that we wander around like aimless sharks. <laughs> right. Looking for our next meal, uh, thinking that the better thing is always just down the block. That will be perfect. <laughs> that will be perfect. And so what ends up happening? We get really hangry. Yes. <laughs> and then what happens? And then we settle on the next place that we see and have an okay meal. Right. It's not going to happen tonight, sister. <laughs> when I put this epicureal dilemma to Brian, he had just the answer. Actually, just the algorithm. Perhaps you and your sister in different ways could both benefit from this subfield of mathematics that's called optimal stopping which is exactly this question of when do you cut off a process of evaluating options? Yeah. And? So the simplest answer is 37%. (laughs) (laughs) Evaluate 37% of your options noncommittally just to establish a baseline. And after that point, 
immediately be willing to commit to anything that's better than what you saw in that first 37%. So Gita and I were thinking, okay, we would take 100 restaurants and we would look only at the first 37 menus and then choose one. But that seemed kind of daunting and hardly more efficient than our standard practice. If you're intimidated by the thought of trying 37% of the restaurants, the happy story is that this algorithm also applies to time as well as the stock of restaurants. So you can say to yourself, let's take no more than an hour, you know, to find a place. Uh Uh-huh. That means that, uh, you know, whatever 37% of an hour is, you know, 20 minutes or something like this. Okay. 20-something minutes. Don't commit in that initial period to anything. Yeah. But have in your mind what was the best place from that initial period. Yeah. And then as soon as you find something better than that, take it. Okay. sit down. We're, we're at your house. Yeah. It's about to thunderstorm. Yes. I don't think we want to be walking around in it. No. So maybe what we need to do is have a conversation about the places nearby yeah. that we know or that we've heard of. Yeah. Maybe we want to try it. Maybe we've been there. Yeah. And usually we would take like half an hour to have this conversation. Yes. So this time? Yes. 37% of half an hour? 37% of half an hour. Okay, wait. What's 37? Hold this. Okay. 30 times 0.37. We have 11 minutes and one-tenth of a minute. I'm going to start the clock. Okay. Start the clock. This is very exciting. Okay, Stopwatch. so we can use all the tools Start. at our disposal. We can look online. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think we all have this intuition that, you know, you don't want to you don't want to commit too soon and yeah. leave the, the better option unexplored. Right. Well, what about that place? You know, the one that's like French fusion with something else? Let's, let's take a look at the menu. Okay. Okay. Ooh, that looks good. This is looking pretty meat heavy so far. And also gluten heavy. Okay, lard. Yeah. This no. Is, nope. No. Not, not okay. going to work. Back okay, look at us. This is good. Ooh, this looks yummy. Uh, polenta with hedgehog mushrooms mm. and pork jowl. Time? Oh my God. Seven minutes, 37 seconds. We we don't have a lot of time Ooh. left. Mashed green plain. Fungo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back I, to the I left. Feel like, I feel like we need more options. I'm not feeling it. It looks good to me, but... Meathead. I know. <laughs> What's Leanda? Oh, did we look at that? We looked at Leanda. Um, Didn't we? Yes. Ten, yes. nine, no! eight, <laughs> seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Let's just read what he said. Okay. Take 37% of half an hour. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. Don't commit to anything. We're very good at the not committing part. (laughs) But have in your mind what was the best place from that initial period. Okay. I have it in my mind. You don't want to hold out for this perfect ideal that may not exist. There's some kind of balance to be struck. And the story from mathematics is, yes, the balance is 37%. So I think what we're doing now is, is we're calling it. We're calling it. We're calling it. And we're going to Jolie Cantina. Let's do it. All right. (laughs) Coming up, two sisters walk into a bar and eat a meal chosen within a reasonable amount of time. But was it yummy? And note to self-producer Jenna Cagle applies the optimal stopping algorithm to her dating life. Not my type. 
We're back. I'm Anoush Samarodi. It's Note to Self, and we are testing out numeric advice from author Brian Christian and his algorithms to live by. Now, usually my sister and I cannot decide on a restaurant, and we are starving by the time we end up at some mediocre joint. But this time, we took Brian's advice, and we limited ourselves to 37% of the time that we would usually spend looking at menus. All right, we just emerged. Yeah. Thoughts? Um, Perfect. It's great. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's because I had a very strong cocktail, but the food was delicious, and I kind of felt like a sense of relief knowing that, like, I didn't didn't have the opportunity to second-guess myself. You know what I thought Mm -hmm. was that, like, usually when we get somewhere, we're like, oh, where's the waiter? Can we just order already? Like, we weren't hangry at all. Yes. Yes, that's true. We were calm. (laughs) But do you think, like, living with applying math maybe has a place in your life instead of just pure emotion? Yes. Yes, I think for, especially (laughs) for indecisive people like me, this will, uh... Oh, you're owning it now. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) I think this will cut out some of the anxiety. Right on, sister. (laughs) Let's go get some ice cream. (laughs) It actually worked. Like, 37%? This was a new high for sisterly love and eating. The working mom who doesn't get out much and the indecisive foodie found gastronomic bliss without any heartburn. This whole algorithmic thing applied to real life seemed promising. So I asked Note to Self producer Jenna Cagle to try it out on something she hoped would last a little longer than just a meal, like a relationship. Could optimal stopping and the 37% rule work for online dating, too? So who are you? I'm Jenna Cagle. I'm a producer at Note to Self. Jenna, correct me if I'm wrong, but Brian said to you, use this app, Coffee Meets Bagel, Every day, it will present to you a certain number of options of men that it thinks that you might be compatible with. The first two days, though, say no to everything and consider the best option that it's given you. That's going to set the bar. And then in the next five days, say yes to a few people that the app presents you with. Is that correct? Yes, except that I was supposed to say yes to anybody who I thought was better than anyone I saw in the first two days. And did you do this? Yes. Today is Wednesday. This is day two. Day five. Day seven. And there is a guy, got like a buzz cut, brown hair, tall, thin, probably not my cup of tea, but I don't know. I'm going to swipe and see what other photos he has. He looks cute. So I will like him. Oh, sure. Because he's better than the first two. I still have zero connections. Zero connections. Great. Mm. He's younger than the other guys. He doesn't really seem to have, like, too many muscles. I don't know. He's an actor, so I'm I'm not really into that. I appreciate when my date loves movies and or books doesn't try to stab me. Uh. Since it's day two, I have to pass. Passing now. I don't know. Again in a button-up. How many button-ups? I'll just like it. Oh, dude, we are connected. And what happened? So, I liked and passed over several people. I basically only liked two people. And on the last day, I had a connection. And so when that means that the guy liked you back. Yes, exactly. So I reached out to him and asked him a question about a bookstore he owns in Brooklyn. And that's cool. Yes. And he responded. 
And I, since it was the last day, I was a little pushy, I guess, <laughs> because I quickly responded asking him out, like, for drinks. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, we connected. Let's do this. Yes, exactly. I was like, this is going to happen. So I asked him out for drinks, and I never heard back. No. He didn't respond? No, he never responded. Why did he bother getting connected to you if he wasn't going to, like, take action? I don't know. But this is also the part that Brian kind of warned me about, which is that because it's like a 37% rule, like, it only works 37% of the time. Statistically, it could go either way. Exactly. Yeah. So it just didn't work out this time. Okay, Brooklyn bookstore man, if you're listening to this, come on now. You connected. Yeah, I put myself out there and he didn't respond. Not cool. Not cool, dude. When the bells all ring. All right, so let's say that Jenna does find the man of her dreams. It's kind of a mercenary question. But how long is the relationship likely to last? Will I be with you? Or will I be among the There's that, like, 1940s song, uh, maybe, maybe it's too early to ask, but what are you doing on New Year's Eve? <laughs> um, this song from the 40s. What are you doing What Are You Doing New Year's Eve was actually written in 1947. One of the most famous versions, this one, is by Ella Fitzgerald. And yeah, the math says it might be too early to ask if you're still going to be together if, let's say, the month is June and you got together in January. There's this wonderful rule of thumb that's called the Copernican Principle that says, just assume that it's going to last exactly as long as it's lasted so far. If you've been dating someone for six months, your best guess is to just assume you'll be dating for about another six months. And why? Why is that? So there's two ways of thinking about the math behind the Copernican Principle. The simpler version is to just think about it from the perspective of, I've shown up somewhere in the duration of this object. Where have I shown up? And if you just think about it intuitively, it makes sense to assume, well, I probably showed up right about in the middle because it's equally likely to have been longer or shorter. The slightly more complicated version is that the Copernican principle is an example of what's called Bayesian inference. What's that? <laughs> it's basically a math problem that doesn't have a single answer. Uh-huh. So it turns out the Copernican principle is part of this broader class of inference problems where, again, the solution takes the form of just a constant multiplier to the data that you have. So it happens, for example, that if you're trying to predict the box office gross of a film that has made you know, $100 million so far, the multiplier in that case is 1.4 okay, it'll probably go on to make $140 million. The Copernican principle tells you that the United States is only going to last till 2255. So, you know, it's, it's, it's seemingly this crazy way to make sense of these predictions make that would otherwise be impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Optimal stopping. The Copernican principle. Like love... Algorithms aren't always fast and true. They often depend on variables. But when the stars and the numbers align, accuracy can strike. Like when Brian met his own girlfriend, soon-to-be wife. It was very cute, actually. 
the woman who I'm now engaged to, my fiance. Congratulations. Thanks. When we met, she says that I told her that 37% of the American male lifespan is like 27 and a half years old. And we met when I was 28. So, so she, she remembers this right conversation. On target. In which I told her like, you know, if this is a good thing, then I'm all in. And I don't remember that, but that's, that sounds like something I would say. Computer science is not going to tell you what to value in life. <laughs> right. But it will enable you to, A, I think, be a little bit more deliberate and intentional about the process of articulating what your values are. And then it gives you a way of kind of moving forward from that. It's a lovely way to just set up my last question for you, which is what was your goal then with the work that you're doing? Is it to make computer science and algorithms more tangible, more applicable for people? Or is it for the people actually writing these algorithms to understand that um, the humans out there have to use them and, and, and need to understand them as well? Yeah, there's a broader level, which is that it gives us kind of a vocabulary for thinking about the problems that we confront. You know, when you're deciding what playlist to put on when you go for a run, you can think to yourself, oh, this is an explore-exploit issue. You know, if you're moving out of town, you think, oh, as I run out of time, I should go back to my favorite things more. As I move to a new city, I should spend a lot of time trying new things. And I think at the largest level, it gives us a different way of thinking about rationality itself. That we have this notion that, you know, being totally rational means considering all of your options, uh, <laughs> thinking as long as it takes to get the perfect answer every time, and we kind of hold computers up as paragons of this rational uh, notion. And we dispel that, you know. Computer science has, in this case, some very surprising verdicts. A, even following the optimal approach, in some cases, you still fail more than half the time. Um, so this is the this is the dark side of my restaurant advice, which is that right. even following the optimal approach, you're still not going to end up at the very best restaurant 63% of the time. But it turns out there's no way to do better than that. Brian Christian, thank you so very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The book is called Algorithms to Live By. There is no formula for perfection, but by applying an algorithm to your life, you can know that you gave something your best shot, statistically. I mean, seriously, seriously, if I had been able to apply math and computer science and algorithms to things I was actually doing in my life, I might have loved math class. I might have actually taken a coding class. This kind of conversation is exactly why I truly love this podcast, because these ideas have real applications and can truly help us understand ourselves and help us live smarter, better, even kinder lives. So thank you for being here with me. It's very cool. Hey, I haven't mentioned this in a while. But as soon as this podcast is over, in approximately 45 seconds, go to notetoselfradio.org and click on the sign up for our newsletter button. It's my computationally kind way of inviting you to join our weekly community that shares links and smart and really funny stuff. It comes out on Wednesdays. No need to worry about a cash miss or Bayesian inference. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Ariana Tobin, Jenna Cagle, and Joe Plord. Seth Kelly also lent a hand this week. 
Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Manoush Samarodi. We can do the Fred Armisen thing with um, uh, with Ira Glass, where Fred Armisen does Ira Glass's voice. Have you not? No. On my so-called my so-called life on This American <laughs> Life, on This American Life, he co-hosts with Ira Glass, and he does Ira Glass's voice. How for have him. I not heard that? And you can't tell them apart. <laughs> One two three. 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 That is really weird to hear you do that. <laughs>